Genesis chapter 22 in your Bible. Genesis 22. I got one simple question for you. If you get nothing else from this tonight, I got one question for you. How much is too much? How much is too much? What sacrifice is too much? I'm sure if I asked everyone in the room, what would you do for me? Everyone has a limit. For some of y'all, it would be most of it would be like, it wouldn't be much. If I said, you know, will you throw this paper in the trash can for me? You would do it. Or if I said, you know, um, if I'm walking down the street and y'all see me and you're like, hey, Brother Xavier. And then I'm like, what's up? I'm, I'm walking to 7-Eleven. Some of y'all probably give me a ride. If I said, how many of y'all would die for me? Most of y'all probably be like, yeah, psych. I got a long life to live. No thanks. Right? But because there's a limit, right? There's too much. We're going to talk about a man in the Bible named Abraham. And this man in the Bible, God asked him for a lot of things. One thing in particular that was a lot. And for many of us as humans, most of us wouldn't do it. Most of us wouldn't, most of us wouldn't do what, what, what he's asking us to do. Most of us wouldn't, wouldn't even think about what, he, what had happened here. And so I want to read this passage real quick. And then we're going to talk about what God asked him to do. Did he do it or not? And then we're going to talk about how that applies to you. In Genesis chapter 22, it says this. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham. And he said, behold, here am I. And he said, take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and give thee uh, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon the mountains of which I will tell thee of. First off, what? God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, and he was like, hey, God, what's up? And he was like, I need you to sacrifice your son. And did you notice that he specified there? He said, thy son, thy only son, Isaac. Like, he wanted to make sure it was clear. I had a friend, uh, I got one of my best friends, and he was dating a girl in college. We were roommates. And he was dating a girl in college. And one, one year for co- at college, his, um, his girlfriend from back home sent him a package. And he opened the package, and it was freshly baked cookies. I mean, they're not fresh anymore because... They were in the mail. But you know what I'm saying. She baked those cookies, right? And so she baked them cookies, and he was over there in his, in his, we had bunk beds in our dorm room. And so he was in there, and he was over here eating them cookies. Well, I was over here looking like, mm. So I said, hey, man, them chocolate chip cookies look good. Can I have one? And he looked at his cookies, and he looked at me, and he looked at, my, at his cookies, and he said, he looked at me. He said, these cookies? My Valentine's Day cookies? The ones I got from my girlfriend, like he didn't say no, but you can hear it in his voice. Like, I know I, I'm not trying to give you one. Like God here in this section is telling him like, hey, Abraham, hey, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son, your only son, Isaac. That would have been crazy right there. But let's see what happens. Verse three. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. And clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place in which God had told him. Then on the third day, God, uh, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And so, uh, so this happens. God asked him for these things. And we'll stop there. So we're going to look at it. So what, what, what sacrifice is too much? That's what I'm asking you. What sacrifice is too much? God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your only son. Now, of course, in, in, in a way, this is a picture of, of God and his gospel. Bless you. It's a picture of God and his gospel. But here's what I have to ask you. Here's what I want you to know. Is that God is requesting something from all of you. The best way to live the best life that you can have for this world 
is to follow what God has for you. Many of you guys know my testimony. I was not raised in church. I'm from Bronx, New York, Gun Hill Road. I saw shootouts. I saw people die right in front of me. I saw my uncle got shot right up the road from my house and killed. I, my family is not no strangers to the bloods and the crips. I mean, I've, I've, I've seen people's cars left on cinder blocks. I mean, I've seen stuff happen all the time. New York is a dangerous place. I went to visit New York for my, uh, my grandpa's funeral, and I was walking down the street with my brother. And my cousin said, what are y'all doing? And I said, what does it look like we're doing? We're walking down the street. He said, don't you know that you can't be out here after 6 o'clock? Innocent people die. And, it's, and, it, and it was one of those, one of those kind of situations. But I, I remember, I remember that, that time in my life. And, and what, I, what I'm here to ask you is, is, is that I'm, I'm not someone who, who, was, who grew up in church his whole life, but I've seen some things. And I've been some places and I've done stuff. Many of you guys know that I went to jail. I've been suspended from school. There's a lot of things that, that's happened. Been in fights, did all kinds of stuff. Stole, all those things. And y'all know all those things, but what am I trying to tell you? Is that I'm someone who's lived a life of being out in the world and going to the parties and doing all the things that everyone loves to do. And I've also been someone who's lived for the Lord. And I will tell you, balancing the scales, this side, serving the Lord is 10 times, 20 times, infinite times better. I don't want to go back. Living the life. Now listen to me. The world's life is going to be a lot. It's going to look like they're, having, they're at a party and they're drinking. They're doing all kinds of stuff. Promiscuous dancing. All that stuff. And you know what? Is it fun? Absolutely. You're going to have a blast. Getting involved in, in drugs and all that stuff. Are you going to have a good time? Yeah. Drinking till you black out? I wouldn't know from experience. But sounds look from what it looks like, people have a great time not remembering what they did the night before. And it's going to look good. But you know what they don't show you in those commercials is the person hung over the next day or the guy that went home and beat his kids because he was he was drinking too much or the kid that died at 16 because he overdosed or when everything is not everything is not an extreme extreme. But what I am telling you is that the world and all that it has is not geared to love you. It's not geared to love you. The Bible says that in Romans chapter six that we were once slaves to sin. People don't even know it. I was, I was on the, uh, I'm on Twitter very actively. And I saw somebody, we were on Twitter, and they, and they, were, uh, they were talking about um, one of those famous songs. And, and somebody else, another Christian, was like, man, y'all Christians shouldn't be listening to that. And people came for his neck. Now, I could see if it was people like, you know, people out in the world, but it was Christians. Like, no, how dare you, yada, 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 yada. And the thing about it is, you're willing to fight somebody over a person you don't even know. Over a person you don't know. Beyonce don't know you. And I know people part of the beehive. That would knock you out for talking against Beyonce. People who listen to you know, these different artists. And I know people that have gotten visibly angry. And what I'm saying is be careful that this world doesn't have a hold on you. And being someone who is a part of this one. Now, after being a part of the other one. It's important. But as you live this life. If you say, okay, Brother Xavier, I earnestly want to see what God has for me. It's going to require some sacrifices. How much is too much? Let's look at it real quick and then we'll get out of here tonight. Number one, if you're taking notes. What we're going to look at, the request from God. Look at verse two. And he said, take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering. God, what you need to know is some background about Abraham. God told Abraham that your seed is going to be as the sands of the sea. And, it's going to, and there's going to be a great nation, a great nation, a great people that comes from your heritage, that comes from your bloodline. 
And eventually the Messiah, Jesus Christ, would come from your, would come um, from, from, from you. From, from you. You know, we sing that song, Father Abraham had many sons. Anybody ever heard that song growing up? Father Abraham had many sons. That's where it comes from. Father Abraham, right? Um, he's not, you know, he's, he's this person that God promises this great blessing and, and, the, and the sands of the sea. Well, anyway, God only gives him one son. Check this out. In order for you, if, I, if God comes to me, if God comes to me and says, Xavier, your grandson is going to be the greatest preacher of all time. And I'm like, oh, that's nice, right? He's going to be great. Or if he says, brother, he says, Xavier, your daughter is going to be the, the, the richest woman in the world. I'm like, oh, that's going to be great. Buy me a house. You know what I'm saying? All that stuff. My granddaughter, right? My, grand, my grandson. But what happens if God says, okay, your, your only son's going to die? What does that mean? Someone answer me. What does that mean? That's right, right? You're not going to have any grandkids. If, I, if he tells me this promise about my grandkids and then my, my kids die, I can't have no grandkids. What does that mean? He cannot fulfill his promise. So God tells Abraham, your seed is going to be at the sand of the sea. And now I want you to sacrifice your only son. Doesn't that sound weird? Backwards even? Sounds like a lie. Sounds like a lie. What about all the stuff you told me? What about all the stuff? And the Bible says that Abraham waited for a long time to have a child and it, it took a long time and God told Abraham this stuff and so it would be a great request. What if somebody walked up to you on the street and said, hey, I want you to kill your son right now. You'll be like, square up. Let me pull this Glock off my side. You know what I'm saying? I'll run you over with my car asking me stupid questions. You know what I'm saying? There was a request from God. What was the request? I want you to sacrifice your only son. But look at number two, the response. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up, and went unto the place of which God had told him. Now let me ask y'all this. Did you guys see a spot in here where Abraham talked back to God? Nope. Did anybody see in, in here in this passage where God said, Abraham, do this, and then Abraham was like, but God did it? Not one time. The Bible says, look at that. And Abraham rose up early in the morning. He just did it. God, the Bible says he got up the next day and, and he didn't question God. He didn't question things like, hey, this is murder. Or, hey, this is going to ruin the promise that you told me that I would have. And what happens is God comes to us and we feel a stirring in our heart for God to do something with us. Maybe you're sitting in the room today and you don't know that Jesus Christ is your Savior. And maybe you don't know that if you die today, you would go to heaven. And maybe the Holy Spirit is talking to you and saying, hey, get saved. Come to know me. Come to accept my son as Savior. And you're, brush- and you're brushing it off. You're brushing it away. And there's a stirring in your heart when the Holy Spirit comes knocking on your heart. And what we do a lot of times when God starts telling us, hey, I want you to do this. We start saying, God, but. You know, the, 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 the people in your life that, that drag you down, that you felt it here, that you know you probably should let those people go. That relationship you have that doesn't honor God. What, the, the different things, and, and those are just a couple of examples, but you'll feel all throughout the Christian life. I've been a Christian, what am I, I'm 27 now? I got saved at 14, 13, 13 years, is that right? Zero, check my math. 13 years, all right? 13 years. And there have been times where God has asked me over and over to do different things. And it was like an audible voice like, Xavier, go to the bus stop. It wasn't like that. But the Bible says God speaks to you in a very still, small voice in here. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit kind of acts like your conscience. 
Anybody ever had your conscience or something tell you, man, I shouldn't do that? Anybody ever had that happen? Man, I shouldn't do it. When you get saved, which is when you receive Christ as your Savior, your conscience becomes infused with the Holy Spirit. And he starts to direct you. He starts to direct you in, in, in your life. And he'll tell you and he'll prompt you to do things. And just like Abraham happened here, Abraham didn't question God. He didn't say, God, but what about your promise? I'm sure he probably thought it. I'm sure those things probably resonated in his mind. But you know what? His obedience to seeing what God did, check this out. He trusted God and said, God's got something. And he's, God's got something he's going to work out. If, for him to do this, there's going to be a reason. And many times in our lives, we don't give God the benefit of the doubt. You wait on things you've heard that you haven't seen. You listen to stuff that you've heard about church or about the Bible and don't even read it for yourself. You, you, just, hear, you, just, take, you just hear things. Listen to me. I will do the best that I can to, to rightly divide the word of God and not lead anyone astray. But, but, you should never come in here without your Bible. Why? You need to look for yourself to see what it says. Look for your, I'm glad you trust me, but I want you to look and see what God says. Why? Because I am not the final authority on this word. The word is the final authority on this word. And so you need to be bringing your Bible. Why? Because you need to see what God says. And so Abraham wasn't listening to anything else that life was telling him. He went to follow God. In his mind, he said, God made me a promise. And God doesn't lie, so God's going to keep it. And he got up and he had enough faith to just go. Number three, if you're taking notes. Number one, there was a request from God. Number two, there was a response of Abraham. Number three, there was the proof by testing. The proof by testing. Look at verse uh, 7. And Isaac, check this out. So, verse 6 actually. Verse 5, I'm backing up. Here we go. And Abraham said unto the young man, Abide here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. So he's walking with the son, right? And the guys that are with him. He says, guys, wait here. My son and I are going to go up and we're going to go worship. Mm, that's what they call it nowadays, right? Verse, verse 6, And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son and took the fire in his hand and a knife and they, bo- and they went both of them together. Mikey, come here. So he comes here. He says, guys, wait here. My son and I are going to go worship. And so he picks up the wood. He picks up the wood, gives it to his son. He gets the fire that he's going to need, the fire and all that, to start the fire and all, the knife and all that stuff. And he carries it, says, son, let's go. Thanks. And they start walking up the mountain. Verse 7. And Isaac spake unto his, Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? <laughs> Imagine. It's like Uriah the Hittite in the Bible. When David wanted, wanted him dead, what did, Abraham, what did David do? He, gave, he sent him with a letter. What was the letter in his hand? His death warrant. Imagine carrying your own death warrant. Now I know y'all. Y'all get your report card from school and before you leave the parking lot. Y'all like, shh. See what it says. Uriah probably was like, man, I should check this letter out. See what it says. Trusted his, he trusted his boss. He trusted the general. And what ended up happening was that general saying, uh, that, that, met, that letter said for you to let Uriah go forth and everyone fall back. And Uriah was killed. Abraham's carrying this wood in his hand. Dad, I see, the, I see the knife and the fire, and I've got the wood. But where's the lamb? Aren't you supposed to, aren't you supposed to sacrifice a lamb 
or a dove or a bull or something. I don't see anything. That's what he says. Tragic. But where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Verse 8. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they both went, with them, they both went of them together. Verse 9. And they came to the place where God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Check this out. What if your dad, what if your dad tied you, what if your dad took you to the gun range and tied you to the target and said, all right, son, you're probably going to be like, no, 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 no. The Bible says that I, God took, I don't know what kind of trust he had in his dad, but the Bible says that Abraham took his son. And by the way, Abraham wasn't just a little kid. Based on the context, Abraham was at least, uh, not Abraham, but Isaac was at least a teenager. Young man. I don't know about y'all, but as a teenage man, I could fight my dad. I don't know if I was going to win, but I was going to fight. I could fight him. The Bible says that Abraham, that God, uh, he says in, in verse 9, And they came to the place where God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Some of y'all are probably sitting here right now like, yo, what's about to happen? Is he literally about to, he literally about to kill his son? What's going on? That's crazy. And Isaac didn't know what was happening. And Abraham was going to override his emotions to be obedient. Now, I'm not saying God is going to come out here and be like, hey, kill your daughter. I'm not saying he's telling you to, I'm not saying he's telling you to do that. But they're going to listen to me. I'm telling you from experience, from what the word is telling you, that there are going to be times in your life when God says, I want you to do this. And you're going to think, what? Why would would I do that? You know, before I went to the ministry, I was going to be a lawyer. I come from a home that was poor. Come from a poor home. Y'all know last week I was telling y'all about the heirs. Remember that? Poor. Y'all know. And in my mind, I was going to go off. I was going to be a lawyer, make some good money, put my mom in a nice house, buy her a nice car. Instead, I went to the ministry. But I remember the day God called. I remember the day I felt it in my heart and God said, that's what I want you to do. And I fought it and I fought it and I fought it. Why? Because in my mind, that was ridiculous. God, why would you ask me to do something like that? Why would you ask me to do something so ridiculous when I have a chance to do something and be something different and to step outside and to rise above my family? Why would you ask me to do something you know is not going to make me any money? And we rationalize disobeying God like that. Let me let y'all know something. If you're looking to, if you're looking to find logic with the Lord, you're not going to find it. Because God is a God who defies logic. And I wouldn't tell you that unless not only did I believe it, which I do, but I've experienced it. There have been times where I've seen God do stuff that I was like, man, I had no idea. Brother, what are you talking about? You know that man in there, Dr. Riggs? His sister had stage four cancer. Lost all her hair. Getting ready to die. And who knows what happened? You know, one day she went, there, she went for a checkup and her cancer was gone. Stage four. I'm not talking about stage one. I'm not talking about just started. I'm not talking about a little tumor you can remove. Stage four cancer. You know the chances of reversing stage four cancer? Very, 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 very slim. 
Usually, if you have stage four cancer, you're 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 pretty much dead. Time for you to go. And she went in for her checkup, y'all, and the cancer was gone. I've seen God do so, I, and I got a dozen stories like that, where I've seen God do some amazing things. But you have to understand that God is a God of the impossible, and the proof. The proof that, that, that Abraham was going to back up what he said and what he was going to do by just going was in the testing. The Bible says he bound his son to the altar. He says he bound his son to the altar. He got the fire and he got the knife and he rolls the knife to slay his son. And how many of y'all are going to look in your life and, let, and tell God, I will raise the knife on whatever it is in my life that you want to change? We know that God is the master sculptor. And they say, that, they say that when a sculptor is putting up, y'all ever seen the marble statues outside? Whatever, it might be some person flexing or just standing there with a child or whatever. And I remember, I forget which sculptor it was, but they said, how do you make such a masterpiece from just a big giant cube? He says, I just envision it. And I cut off, I knock off everything with my hammer and my chisel. My chisel, I knock off everything that does not look like what I'm envisioning. You know, God is using, wants to use you like that marble slab. And when you go through, the, listen to me, y'all. Remember that nobody in their life is strong because they didn't go through any problems. Strong people are the ones that went through some things. See, I say this statement all the time and I'll say it till I'm dead. The fire is never meant to consume you. The fire is meant to purify you. When you go through a hard time, y'all, it's not so that you can just be mad. Or struggle with like, man, life never goes easy for me. There's a lesson in all these things. And what I'm going to tell you is that if you are mad at God because of how your life is or because of what you've gone through, check this out. You missed your lesson. You missed your lesson. Man, I hate the way my home life is. You missed your, I mean, I'm not saying that you, that you can be happy about it, but the Bible says count it all joy. Why? Because you're going to learn some things through it. If you come from a great home, whether you come from a bad home, listen to me. There is no such thing as not being an example. There's just good ones and bad ones. And you can learn from the good examples and you can learn from the bad examples in your life of what you want to do and what you want to be. My mom was a great mom, but there are some things that I have set up to be a better parent than she was. Not because it's a race or it's a competition, but I would want my kids to do the same thing, to be better parents than I can, be a better spouse than I was. And, that's, and, and, and you have to understand that there's going to be the proof of your faithfulness to God is going to be based on the testing in your life. What are you going to do when times get tough? You're going to run? What are you going to do when times get tough? You're just going to get mad? Bottle up? Get closed up? Let your grades slip? Lose your job? Lose your family? Why? Because you're mad? No. Your strength comes in your testing. I'm go, I've been going to the gym. When I first started going to the gym, I could only bench press two. I could only bench press two, um, uh, two, dumb, uh, 20, two 25 pound dumbbells. Weak, small behind chest. And 25 pound dumbbells. And now I'm repping 55s. And what does that mean? And as, as time goes on, my, be- my bench max is two, two something. I remember when the first time I ever did a squat. And I did a squat with, with, with the weight. And, and the first time I ever did a squat, my max squat was 160 pounds. And then I remember when I remember in college, and I was powerlifting with my buddy. And I remember the day that I put 350 pounds on that rack. 
And all the people in the all the people in in that in that weight room just stopped what they were doing and were looking at me and my buddy. My buddy, um, he was a powerlifter. He even went to competition, so he was training me. And I mean, I have a lot of ups, but my legs are strong. And I remember the day I, I remember I remember the day that I, I unracked that. I had my belt on. You ever seen them with the powerlifters with the belt? I had the belt on, so I don't mess my back up. And I and I remember unracking it and taking a step back, hit that stance, and I went all the way down. And came all the way back up. And you know what? I was sweating like crazy. It was tough. I was tired from just doing one. But I remember the day when I could only do 160 pounds. You know how I got like that? Not because I was just walking around eating Cheetos all day. I got in the gym. My bench, my squat max now is only 265, but still better than 160 when I started. Why? You don't get strong because you just sit on the couch and watch Oprah all day. You get in the gym. You don't get strong in life because you don't go through anything. You get strong in life because you've been through some things. You become a better son or daughter because you've been through some things. You become a better husband or wife because you've been through some things. You become a better person in life. You become a better parent to your kids because you've been through some things. That's what makes you strong. And the proof comes by your testing. In order, what are you willing, listen to me, what are you willing to do in order to be the best you you can be? Some of y'all know that there's things in, your life that are, things in your life that are not good for you. But you're afraid to cut those things off. And why? You know there's things that's holding you back. And why haven't you cut those things off? You know they're holding you back. You know that person or that place or that thing is not good for you. So why haven't you chiseled that thing off? Because you're afraid? Doing it because you're, you're afraid you'll be alone? You're afraid you won't have? Or you're afraid that you won't be able to hang out with your friends or, or be in this relationship or have a relationship? You're afraid that you won't be cool like the rest of your friends? Nah. It's never that serious. It's never that serious. And the proof of if you really want to grow, the proof is if you really want to trust God, the proof in who you are going to be as a person is all laid out in whether or not you are willing to raise the knife to the stuff that was going on in your life that's holding you back from being the best you you can be. For God. Number four, and I'm done. We said number one, the, re- the request from God. Number two, the response of Abraham. Number three, the proof by the testing. Number four, and lastly, the provision of God. The provision of God. Look at verse 11. It says, And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. So the Bible says that he raised this knife to slay his son. And the Bible says that God said, Abraham, whoa, 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 whoa. I remember the time my brother, if you, anyone knows my brother, my brother is funny. He likes to crack jokes, but he's a gentle giant. My brother is 6'1", 195, 200. Big dude. Big dude. And I remember the, my brother, I, I've only seen my brother two t- one time before this time get mad enough to want to fight. And it was when he was like nine. And it was a couple years ago, we were playing ball somewhere. And it was one of his friends picking on him, and he just wasn't in the mood that day. And he started, started screaming. And he was like, square. I mean, he started swinging his fist to fight him. I was like, Michael, Michael, Michael. And I mean, y'all know my brother's bigger than me. So I just ran. And I, and, I, and, I, and I was holding him. I was like, Mike, 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 holding him back. Hold him back. I was like, eh, 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 eh. And he turned around like, and I was like, what, you going to hit me? And he calmed way down and walked outside. But I remember that time going, Michael, Michael, Michael. So Abraham's about to slay his son. And God's like, Abraham, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. He stopped what he was doing. He said, lay not thine hand upon the lad. Neither do anything unto him, for now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. You know what God said to him? God said, I don't want you to hurt your son. I'm not going to ask you to sacrifice your kid. 
I'm not going to ask you for any of that. I just want to see if you love, because think about this. God gave him this promise, right? Your seed is going to be as a sand of the sea. He said, I just want to know that you love me more than you love your son. And what I want to know is what is it in your life that you love more than God? God stopped him. He commended his obedience. He provided for the sacrifice. The Bible says, and Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, behind him a ram was caught in the thicket. By the, th- by the horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering instead of his son. You know, sometimes, listen to this, y'all, and I want you to hear this. Sometimes God's going to ask you to do stuff in your life just to see if you'll do it. Just to see if you'll do it. Do you love me more than you love sports? Do you love me more than you love that girl or that guy? Do you love me more do you love me more than you love your goals and aspirations? Do you love me more than... See, the Bible says in all things, God is to have the preeminence. Brother Xavier, what's the purpose? And I'm done. What is it in your life that you're saying is too much? Too much of a sacrifice. I can't come to church. Why? Because that's too much of a sacrifice. I can't be faithful to Bible study. Why? Because that's too much of a sacrifice. I can't go soul winning. Why? Because it's too much of a sacrifice. Have you, have you ever looked in the mirror and actually seen that we are actually more selfish than we think we are? We're so focused on me, 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 me. And guess what the Bible says? The Bible says God comes first, then your neighbor, then you. You're not first, you're third. And if we're being honest with, with, with some of the things in our own personal lives, there are things that you know are toxic, not just to you, but to the people around you. And you know that if you just got that right, you would be a better person, that you would be more enjoyable to be around. And you know that you are, you know that you've been thinking about yourself and not others, not your parents, not your siblings, not the person you're in a relationship with, not the Lord. What's my challenge to you? My challenge to you is to raise the knife. Be willing to cut that thing off in your life that's not helping you to, number one, be a better person. Number two, get closer to God. Because as someone who's lived on both sides of the fence, I'm willing to testify to you that cutting that old life off was the best thing I have ever done. Because I am not rich, but I'm blessed. And I will take being blessed over being rich, over being popular any day of the week. Let's pray.